What's up, Nana Nation and lovers of the Not Up to 30 podcast? Hey, thanks so much for downloading, tuning in, and checking this out. This episode here, 186, is with Scarborough Dude, the host of the long running Dixon Jane's podcast, uh, 16 years in the making. And the same week that this episode comes out, he, Mr. Scarborough Dude, will be hitting the infinite. 888th episode incredible congratulations on the good work ken keep it up with that being said this episode is kind of a little bit of an in response episode i guess Uh, a couple episodes ago mike and i did a recap on the beatles get back documentary cat uh sorry scarborough dude heard it and um and then i had the realization i was like Oh, this is someone who lived with the Beatles, and I thought that was kind of cool to get his perspective on on their career and everything along that line. So this is a fun one. Uh, reliving the Beatles with the Scarborough dude. This is the Not After Thirty podcast, a podcast about reminiscing about your twenties while surviving your thirties. Now it's time for the show. Hello there, Anthony. I don't uh, recall you ever requesting listener feedback, but uh, that's what I'm going to give you right now. I just listened to your podcast uh, yesterday, The Beatles Get Back. Uh, You and uh, Coach, is it Paracone or Paracone? Coach. And... um, I, I listened while I was shopping for groceries, and it was a it was a wonderful distraction. On top of that, but I, I had to listen because I'm a Beatles fan. You know, I loved the Get Back series the way you guys loved it. Well, no, I didn't love it the way you guys loved it. I loved it in a different way for different reasons, and that's why I'm sending in a little feedback. I'll try and keep it short, but. Uh, uh, I'm a little bit wordy, so uh, forgive me, and uh, I don't know if you'll ever want to play this or not, but uh, I'll leave that up to you. I'm of the age, I'm 73, so I grew up with the Beatles. I saw them at the Montreal Forum in 1964, 65, I think it was. Yeah, it must have been. Uh, somebody got me a ticket because I was supposed to chaperone two girls, and it was the height of Beatlemania. Nothing but screaming. You didn't hear them. They hated Montreal. Somebody was threatening to kill Ringo, and uh, they never went back. But it was, you know, it's a thing. I file that away as for my credentials. Hey, I know these. I got interested in the Beatles because every girl in high school back then, we're talking the early 60s, loved the Beatles, and uh, they'd spend the weekend sketching out their favorite Beatle, and uh, it was just a thing. Again, this was Beatlemania. These are the early days, and that's the music that still today speaks to me. But it's an age thing, and people my age uh, feel almost like they belong to us. That they were ours. Now, I got to make this really clear. I absolutely love the fact that generation after generation after generation discovers and falls in love with the Beatles. Like nothing could be better than them having this huge, wide, worldwide age levels, all age levels fandom. Like people just, I love that music. There was something incredible about them. I'm a Stones fan too, but it's just not the same. The Beatles touched everybody. 
And so we get a little possessive sometimes. And when we're listening to people like somebody your age who discovered them sort of after the fact, it, I'm the same about Pink Floyd. A lot of people discovered Pink Floyd with uh, Dark Side of the Moon. And I feel, whoa, 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 hang on. We were smoking hash over a water pipe listening to Amagama and listening to The Piper at the Gates of Dawn. This, this, that's Pink Floyd. You know, I love Dark Side of the Moon. Saw them play that in a theater too or in the University of Montreal. But that's... It's the same thing. It's sort of discovering them later. We went along with them. And I think the thing that makes us so possessive and and makes them so important in our lives, we grew up with them. They were only, a, a, you know, a year or two older than us, a few years at best. And as they change, you know, starting off with Twist and Shout and She Loves You and all that early stuff, and then Dylan turns them on to weed. Well, we got turned on to hash and weed at the same time. And then they get into acid, and then we discover acid. They were our gurus, and that's what makes them so important. They were our gurus. We were following. They were our leaders. And especially during a time of, of... the 60s, the revolution, the, the war in Vietnam backdrop, and, and the, the, here's this group singing about love. Well, it went from the simple love of I want to hold your hand to what the world needs is more love and, and care. Now I'll get to my point. The way you talked about your favorites. <laughs> For a lot of Beatles fans, Paul is sort of almost at the bottom of the list. Because Paul never outgrew being a Beatle. Paul... Loved the cuteness. Paul was the cute one. More of the girls loved Paul. And he stayed that way. And I I have more respect now for Paul than I ever had in my life. Because he can still, he's got his shit together. He can still produce music. He's still an interesting guy. Well, not so interesting. But he's he's still a nice guy. And, you know, was a vegan before his, before he was a thing and... So I I respect Paul, but John was our leader. John was the leader. And I think the the part that when you guys sort of said, yeah, he he was kind of a dickhead, he wasn't really trying, that just, you know, man, oh, man, did that ever. I'm in the grocery store and I'm having a hard time controlling myself. Like, oh, whoa, what are you saying? I am very glad you both agreed it wasn't Yoko who split up the Beatles. Great. Because a lot of people just blamed everything on her. Oh, she wrecked it. And that's not the case. They were done. And you recognize that. So that's to your credit. And I'm not beating up on you guys. Hey, have whatever favorite you like. I'm glad you I'm glad you got more respect for Ringo. Because he was just happy being a Beatle and, and what a great thing. And and there was a huge percentage of the people, even way back then, who loved Ringo because they, they wanted to mother him, you know. Ugly-looking guy with a big nose. Oh, what a darling. He made the Beatles. I, I, they wouldn't have made it the same without Ringo. He was just that little extra bit of chemistry. You see that when you see the movies, especially in A Hard Day's Night. Uh, that Yeah, that was the, ele- the extra element that they needed. And uh, it was a good thing they got rid of Pete Best. Uh, Brian Epstein, such a sad, sad story. Of him, but he made the Beatles. I mean, without Brian Epstein, no, they none of this would have happened. And it was their success that allowed them to go on and create bigger and greater things. And you recognize that too. But the part I want to get to, John, 
John had to grow. Yoko was the person that said, yeah, okay, the Beatles was something you did when you were young, but there's a whole world out there. She was an artist in her own right and had been before meeting the Beatles. She she had a, a broader vision. She was bright. She had a history. And John was looking for something more than what the Beatles could offer him. And she gave that. And it's a wonderful thing that John went on in those years spent in New York, just bringing up Sean. Were wonderful years, and John could be a father again. Sorry that he wasn't able to give this to Julian. He became human. He became compassionate. But more than that, he became a true activist for peace, for world peace. When they did the, the, the bed in for peace, when they erected these signs, war is over if you want it. This was the greater, bigger, bigger picture that was important. And John grew into that greater person. And people like myself who, you know, I'll use the word worship John, who, who have so much respect, we miss him till this day. It, there's, a, there's a hole where John used to be. In, in, in times of uh, turmoil in the States during, during the Trump years and so on, the number of times I'd sort of be thinking, God, I'd love to hear what John would have to say about this. What would he be putting in the paper? What would people be asking him? And it's not like he was a saint. He was full of flaws. I mean, of course he was. He wasn't perfect. But he was thinking. He was doing the best he could possibly could. He put himself out there naked. That's why they literally put out an album of the pictures of themselves naked on the cover. This is it. This is, this is the real person. This is who I am. I'm not that beetle guy with a fancy haircut and so on. I'm, I'm a human and I want a better world. <sighs> so I guess I've ranted on enough and I don't know if you'll appreciate this or not but I was delighted and I'm glad I listened to you guys and I'm very happy enjoyed his music I think what really spurred me on is I'm holding in my hand a CD it's called Harrison Covered and it was put up by Mojo Magazine from 2011 I don't think you can even find this anywhere and it is an incredible cover of 15 songs by like the Web Sisters used to back up Leonard Cohen, and uh, a whole lot of people doing great, great, great covers of "If I Needed Someone," "I Need You," "Give Me Love," "Here Comes the Sun," uh, "Think for Yourself," "So Sad," and uh, just great, great music. I'm glad you picked up on what a great musician George was. Uh, there is a quote I will read to you on the back. Um, and I think this is what I'll end with, uh, just to give you both of you a salute for recognizing George in quotes. I believe I love my guitar more than the others love theirs. For John and Paul, songwriting is pretty important, and guitar playing is a means to an end. That was George not long before he died. Um, actually, <laughs> uh, that's how he saw his role, uh, in the Beatles back in 1969, right at the end. That's what he said. He was overshadowed by the others, but, um, he, he had it and it, it's so wonderful. And I'm glad 
and I hope you do, uh, Coach Des, go out and get a copy of uh, All Things Must Past and uh, some of the other stuff he's done. And it's great that George went on to play with other people, the Traveling Wilburys, great stuff. So uh, anyway, hats off. I guess the one thing we can share in common, I'll end on this positive note, we love the Beatles. They have made this world a better place. Amen. Geez, after some technical difficulty, I think we're good to go. It's all in your hands. I like it that way. Okay, Jesus. Um, I swear I've done this before. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Yeah, a couple. We're get we're we're not catch we're not where you are yet, but we'll mm-hmm. we'll catch it one day. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, what's up, Nana Nation and lovers of the Not After Thirty podcast? This is a special presentation on the line with me, the Scarborough dude. Scarborough dude, what's up? Hey, 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 nothing much, but uh, I'm kind of excited because I know what we're going to be talking about tonight. And I've been thinking about that for a few weeks now. Excellent. Yes, tonight we're going to, uh, Scarborough was nice enough to listen to the episode with Mike Pericone and I as we revisited the uh, Beatles documentary, Get Back, the epic three-part, eight-hour uh, special presentation, I guess you could call it. Mm. Um, and, uh, you guys off the top heard Ken's message to us, which was awesome. Um, Ken lifelong Beatle fan, I would imagine. Oh, absolutely. Like right back from the very beginning before that British wave hit. In full well, that's, force. that's where we need to start. Um, please give us your very first Beatle memory. Um, well, it was probably before the Ed Sullivan show. There would have been a news item about these guys, this this Brit group. Like, it was TV news. Everybody watched it, and you're seeing these guys. And it went around the schools. So you got to go back in time. I'm still a high school student. And in those days, this is uh, before pot was common, so early 60s, we were very naive, very simple. So when we're hearing about a group talking about, I want to hold your hand, that's where we're at. Oh, my God. You're not thinking about anything else. I'd just like to hold her hand and smell her hair in a dance, you know. Wow. This is where we're at. So it was a very, it was a time of innocence, certainly in my life and most of my friends. Um, and this, this thing happened. And if you wanted a girlfriend then, you had to show an interest in the Beatles because – they were consumed. I mean, every girl in school was just, they all had their favorite Beatle. Uh, my girlfriend at the time, they'd spend the weekend sketching. They'd buy the fan books and get out the charcoals and see how good a picture they could draw of their favorite Beatle. And, uh, you know, that, that was just a big deal. We had one kid show up at our high school just from England, transferred over. Like He was an absolute nobody. Suddenly, he's the most popular kid in the school. Every girl wants to date him just for bragging rights. I got somebody with like a Liverpool accent. This is you know, oh, you little shithead. How nobody, lucky! But that, How lucky! That counted for so much. So there really was this thing they talk about Beatlemania. It was for real. And okay. By the time they hit Ed Sullivan, then you know they were established. Everybody knew about them in North America. 
So, so bring me back. Was it just the radio that you'd hear the Beatles or were you in the record stores buying the singles or the, the whole LP? Oh, I bought, I bought whole LPs, but I mean, again, it was before you were, you were a fan before you even bought their first record. Cause you knew about them. It was an event, this thing, you know, the, the mop top hair and wow. You know, parents, the older generation kind of laughing. What's this all about? And then scenes of girls screaming. Um, I saw them. Uh, in September 8th, 1964 at the Montreal Fordham. That's pretty well the height of Beatlemania. And that was a big deal. I mean, sell out and so on, the tickets. Uh, and I only went because there were two girls whose parents wouldn't let them go on their own into Montreal to see this rock group. And they lied and said, oh, well, we got a friend. He's much older. He's very mature. Uh, he's going to be our looking after us. And that was me. So I got the free ticket set <laughs> up in the bleachers and uh, worst concert I've ever seen in my life. Absolutely. That, that, that seems to be the ongoing sentiment that you couldn't really hear anything at the, no. at the Beatles concerts. It, it, it was exciting because of the hysteria and the screaming. So you're swept up in and then you're still seeing them and you know, even though you're looking from a distance down on the stage, they did a very short set. They left Montreal that night because uh, a Montreal newspaper had printed a story that somebody wanted to uh, kill Ringo. And it really freaked them out. There was a policeman on stage and Ringo said, what the hell? How is this guy going to save me sitting beside me on stage? You know, somebody's there's a sniper out there. So they left Montreal that night, went to Florida, never came back. So it's, <laughs> it's kind of a funny story. So uh, give me an idea. Well, you're, you're in this arena. Uh, how many people? Eight, 18,000? Uh, the Montreal Forum. Yeah, I guess whatever the forum capacity was. I'm not good with numbers like that, but it was yeah. sold out. They did two shows. I think they did a late afternoon show and an evening show. Uh, and that's where everybody. Now, I saw other concerts at that time. I saw the Dave Clark Five. You're probably aware of them. Uh, and they put on an amazing concert. It's just for the Beatles. It's like the girls are conditioned. You have to scream. Right. That must have been tough, too. Just, I mean, screaming. I mean, even a short set. Uh, give me like, a, like an hour or would that be 40 yeah, minutes? Yeah, about that. I have the I have the set somewhere. How many songs they did? I looked it up, of course. Um, but it was their hits. But they ended with uh, they did help, which was a bit later on in terms of time and uh that was a thrill for me yeah because help would have come out I'm sorry i didn't know i i knew i was wrong that didn't sound right at all hard day's night okay that makes a little bit more sense yeah so the other thing about it was the movie had come out around that time too so all this happened in a very short time we're talking 63 64 65 before the changes really started the movie, I absolutely loved it. I mean, I've seen it dozens of times on TV. But people who couldn't get to see them playing live were going to that movie and watching it repeatedly again and again. And I think I think if anybody was new to the Beatles, I would really recommend uh, A Hard Day's Night. It captures that spirit, the running away from the fans, the craziness, the... Uh, and the amazingly good songs. Yeah, so you feel like that Hard Day Night kind of encapsulated everything really well. It, it, it caught that period perfectly. And it okay, was so good, I mean, it was a funny movie on top of it. Did you have a Beatles haircut, mop top haircut at any point? Um, I didn't. But what's kind of interesting, there was a guy uh, in our class in grade 11. So we're talking, yeah, 60, about 65 now, uh, whose father was a tailor and owned a shop in Montreal. And he wore to school a Beatles suit. 
And the jury was kind out. I mean, some people thought, hey, that's pretty cool. I mean, it was a real beetle suit, the round collar, you know, without the collar, the round, the tight pants and so on. Uh, so it was kind of funny. I mean, his dad probably told him to wear it to school. But some people thought it was cool. This guy need to look at another thing. Oh, come on, man. You don't wear right. a beetle suit to high school. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, maybe just get the attention alone would, would be fantastic, well, too. It did. It, it, I mean, it was a rush. That's what it was all about. But the part I really feel is important, and I don't think people are just catching on to them now or, or later in life even, didn't realize the the innocence of the time. Like the, the Rolling Stones were seen as really, they're the bad boys. You know, they're doing dirty songs and so on. But the Beatles were this clean-cut, wholesome group. That's what Brian Epstein did. Like he reshaped them from the guys who played in Germany. He turned them into this group that everybody could adore and mm -hmm. gave them the haircuts, the suits and everything. Uniform. I think the uniform suits really helped to kind of present like organization with them. And it was an image. These guys are pros and so on. So they, yeah. they learned to play in Germany. Then when they became under, you know, his management, it was a whole new, uh, whole new game. But so well. early on, uh, early sixties, Beatles are uh, have blown up, but they're the biggest thing since sliced bread. I imagine sliced bread was invented by that time, but that's a joke. Yeah, it's a joke. Yeah. Yes. Okay. 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 Um, my question to you is: Was the merchandising of the Beatles off the hop, or did that come a little bit later? It, it, it was there. You know, the Beatles lunchbox and Beatles stuff. I mean, guys weren't buying that crap, you know. But uh, it came out with the movies and so on. Uh, posters. The, the big thing was the fan magazines because people were buying them. And I, to this day, I, there's one I, I'll never forget going to the Dorval Shopping Center, browsing through the magazines and seeing the big headlines in one of the teen mags was who's going to win, the Dave Clark Five or the Beatles? Well, ask anybody today, Dave Clark, who? You know, right. They? But they were really, they were good looking. They had a lot of hit songs, one after another. Just they were part of that Brit wave, and and so there was a little period. It was a teaser, but they made it seem like there was a real rivalry. Somebody might top the Beatles. Of course, nobody did, but the, the, that was part of the fun of it too. And all the other bands that came with them in that early first wave: Jerry and the Pacemakers, uh, mm. Billy J. Kramer, and and Herman uh, and Hermits. Herman's Hermits and all that stuff. There was like a market for that British sound and kind of that cute innocence. And, and that's a part, to me, that's the story because it changed. And as the Beatles changed, they changed the culture. And those of us who were fans followed along. So I'm going from the 16-year-old, naive, just want to get the guts to put my arm around a girl in the movie theater. I'm going from that guy to eventually having my first joint, you know, in 67 and, and because the Beatles had done it before us. So the, the part I would just keep driving home is they, to our generation, they were our gurus. They were, were your influencers. They were, were the influence. influencers. Yeah. They were the girls. These are the people who we're going to follow and we're going to grow with them. And as you see, you, as you know, in the progression of albums, as the music changes because of pot, because of acid, because of all the other drugs, we're changing along. We're no longer, you know, those same naive kids. 
we're, we're starting to to listen to the lyrics. We're starting to experiment with drugs ourselves. And there was a huge cultural shift going on, you know, at that time. I, I just want to take a step back to the merchandising and the memorabilia of the time. Did you and did you end up? I know that it was maybe targeted to the girls or yeah. maybe even younger kids. But did you get sucked in with anything? Like, did you end up buying like a keychain no. or anything? No. No, there's, there's no, all we wanted were the albums. I mean, you didn't have a lot of uh, from money. You'd save your you'd save your money. I bought every album as it came out. Right. Um, but it the marketing wasn't it, it really wasn't a big deal. I'm I'm surprised you're bringing that up. I'm kind of curious about that. Is, is I, I I'm going to circle back a little bit um, later when we cut. Kind of, I want to go through kind of like your timeline with the Beatles, and then I want to kind of handpick some moments and see see um, yeah, like sure. your memories of those things. Um, okay, so uh, did at any point in your Beatle listening lifespan, did the Beatles ever jump the shark for you? Did you ever get yeah, off yeah. the Beatles? Uh, no, I was Paul was my least favorite Beatle all the time, so they he did. When he put in the song "Her Majesty," I guess that's on Abbey Road, right? Yeah, it sounds the good. little short clip that he yeah. added on the end without the other Beatles, you know, telling them about it necessarily. And I would always lift the needle before <laughs> Dr. Paul's last song. It just fucking ruined the album for me. Sorry about the language. It's okay. You're, it, yeah, it, it just like why you know, Paul. You know, we're past the cute stage. Okay, I I, I want to touch back on that. Okay, so what you so Paul is your least favorite? Yeah, I, I've, always I've your least favorite. Fish, always from the okay space because he was the cute one. Uh, I've grown to respect him more now, and in fact, I've kind of forgiven him and come to terms because I think he's still doing his thing at eighty, and he's still fun and uh, cutesy. You know. Yeah. He he wrote and illustrated a couple of children's books that my kids now have, which is yeah. kind of mind blowing. Uh, all to all all of that combined. Yeah. Uh, but um, okay, so, so you, you, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say the reason I didn't like Paul is because I love John. Like John was okay. sort of my people. Okay, course, so he did all those neat little books long, long before. way before, and they were private, and they just happened to get out there too. Well, I don't think they were private, but they were they were his thing. He never realized, and had he not been a Beatle, they wouldn't have reached much of a market. But yeah, yeah, there was uh, there's a a lot of kids' toys that came out inspired by that those drawings, uh, and they're extremely expensive, extremely limited. You can find them. On, I I used to. Uh, have ambition of collecting them for my future kids at that time, but they were they were wildly expensive. So here we are back on the on the things, but I know and it's so funny because it's like uh, you know, are you I, trolling me here? Because no, no, I I, I, I want out. I want to get to it because I, I'm very curious because I I do love uh, I do love how well the Beatles were marketed because I, I mean the music was great, the songs were great, the personalities were great, but the marketing machine behind it was unparalleled. You, you see, I think it's funny. It's very interesting, uh, this, because I didn't see any marketing machine. I mean, I saw Brian Epstein make the Beatles, um, and the songs and the music were what people, I mean, maybe we were naive, but nobody was aware of, certainly in the merchandise, nobody, nobody, all you cared about was getting high and listening to Abbey Road. Like, that's, that's everything. And that, because remember, the hippies were part of the Beatles. Like this is, and so there was a complete 
cultural shift. When I go back and I talk about the high school and listening to I Want to Hold Your Hand and She Loves You, um, that was the time. But just shortly after that, when became pot became widespread and you had the summer of love, the Beatles were at the forefront of that. that their focus on songs about love, all you need is love and all of that mm-hmm. changed things. And all people were interested in was those vibes. But nobody was ever thinking about buying things. You'd never buy a pair of jeans because, you know, these are the ones, you know, yeah. Well, I, I, I'll get into it in a bit. Why? Why I'm so intrigued by it. I, I do want to. I do. I do. I, I keep trying to pull you back because you go and I yeah, like yeah. that. But uh, yeah, anyways, yeah. okay. So talking about your your uh, your favorite and your least favorite Beatle, uh, which is kind of wild because I wouldn't put you on the spectrum of love John, hate Paul, or dislike Paul. But so wh- where would you rank your Beatles as maybe guys who spoke to you the best or the most? Well, John. Um, for his politics, for his leader escapades with Yoko, the, the new John. Um, but even back then, for being kind of the witty one, the little one with a bit of a nasty sense of humor, who was able to make fun of people at the same time he was doing all this stuff. Like he was playing the game and having fun with it. Um, second favorite, of course, would be George, the quiet one, you know. Because I liked what he was bringing in. He was he was one bringing in the East, bringing in Eastern music. You know, we'd sit around and suddenly we're listening to Ravi Shankar, sitting in the basement, getting high, lighting incense, listening to Ravi Shankar. Why? Where the hell did that come from? That wasn't She Loves You. It's a quiet something, genius. Something else has happened here. And th- this is the power and the wonder of these guys, that they, they introduced these whole new elements into our lives. They, they changed us in, in ways that, you know, to this day I'm grateful for. And then R- Ringo, because Ringo or? Uh, Ringo, because he was just, he's a happy guy and he's a nice guy and he's still having fun doing it. He's still putting out music. He's still playing at casinos mm-hmm. and so on. Yeah. Coming and, in uh, Toronto this year. Wrong. And the fact is Ringo did make, he was the element they needed. Brian, uh, Brian Epstein knew that to fire the, the previous drummer. Bring in Ringo, who was a good drummer, and that created. And it was surprising; you wouldn't believe how many girls Ringo was the favorite because they wanted to mother him. They felt sorry for him. <laughs> poor Ringo, he's so ugly. I just love poor Ringo. So they, ugly they that he's it. handsome. They did it beautifully because the movie was always Ringo was kind of the loser. If you watch Hard Day's Night, I don't know how well you know the film, but poor Ringo walking by himself, kicking the cans of oh. water, and uh, everybody felt their lovable Ringo. Oh. <laughs> um, okay, so you, you talked a lot about how the Beatles affected you um, because, I guess, the attitude of the time, the introduction, uh, introduction of cannabis to the masses, I, I would imagine, or even like suburban, suburbanites. Well, I mean, it was a gradual thing. I mean, the, the, the beats before the beats are my thing. And that's where the Beatles got their name from. They introduced cannabis in the forties and fifties following the black musicians and so on. So that they, it was out there, but it didn't become culturally widespread until, you know, mid sixties. 66, 67, around then. And then suddenly it's everywhere. It's in the suburbs. It's everywhere. In Montreal, it happened to be hashish where I grew up because it was smuggled in by the boats, but it was the same same deal. 
Uh, but it was sort of after when you listen to the Beatles music, it was the change in the music. You can tell after Dylan got them stoned for the first time in their hotel room, some of these guys, oh, this, this is fun. Like we've been missing something here. Yeah. And it did impact when you listen to Revolver or even uh, uh, Rubber Soul before. Yeah. Yeah. What's there? Yeah, I, I, I love the Beatles discography. Really, you can see the evolution and growing. But mm-hmm. what, what blows my mind is they're, they're, they start performing at young young teenagers. They're in Germany before, you know, like they're, they're 20. Yeah. By the time they wrap up at 28, the ripe old age of 28 as well-accomplished musicians. But uh, mind-blowing how young these guys were and influencing yeah, yeah. the planet behind them. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, they were the leaders. They were at the crest of that wave with a lot of people following in its wake and so on. But they, they, something was happening. I think to understand the hippies, which was part of the big, you know, pretty well every hippie would have been a Beatles fan, you know, maybe changed over time. But part of that was because there's a war, a very ugly war going on in America, the Vietnam War, and, and people were just, wow. This is night and day. This is polarization here. Something, something's wrong. This isn't about love, and that that played a big part in the spreading of the drugs, and coming out on the side of peace, and that seemed to be where the Beatles were heading. So you, you knew what side you were on. You knew who not to trust. Were Were there parts in the Get Back documentary that really gave you a strong? nostalgia or maybe a, uh, a feeling of, uh, nostalgia. It, yeah, there was, there was really, it's really simple to say, but I loved the Beatles. It was, it really was a love of, you loved the Beatles. You loved their music. You loved them. And that may seem a little strange and watching that event, the, you know, this, the, the three movies, um, was reconnecting with some of that love. Yeah, these these are the guys. These these are the guys who gave us so much, who who fed our lives, who changed our lives, who who gave so much pleasure and enjoyment through their music. You know, and, and so it was nice to sort of feel that again, seeing them in those days. And and it was it was a weird time warp, right? Knowing half of them are dead, and uh, here they are. Just these young guys working away at these tunes. Um, it's always odd because that's never been my favorite album, Let It Be. Uh, you know, Abbey Road to me is still, to this day, their masterpiece. But please, it'll help me a little bit. Yeah. What connected you to the Beatles? Like, when did you get this? Ooh, well, I was, I was hoping we'd get to this, but I mean, I remember as a, as a young child, um, my parents teaching me the words to um, love, love me do. And the reason why, yeah. Right. And, and the reason that they're teaching us was because they were going to a wedding and the wedding uh, had a, had a theme and each table had to come up 
and sing a song that had love in the title. And so that was one that they, they chose, but I, that was my earliest memory of hearing the Beatles, young child. But and your parents turning, of course. Turning yeah. On. My parents for sure. Wow. And, and I, of course at the time, my mom was a huge fan of the radio station 1050 chum, which, um, was a staple in the, in the Toronto market forever. Um, unfortunately, uh, fortunately slash slash unfortunately is a sports radio station now, but, um, so we listened to 1050 in the car all the time growing up and that, you know, a lot of built tunes on there, but, um, it wasn't until I started to discover music on my own, uh, 14, 15, whatever that age is. Yeah. And, uh, the band that I loved at the time was Oasis and still do to this day. I'm a huge fan and, but they were heavily inspired by the Beatles and, I would always hear in interviews the comparison to the Beatles. They were like the new wave of the British invasion. And it was led by these bands, Oasis being the front band. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it made me want to go back. I would hear an interview with Noel Gallagher talking about Sgt. Pepper and the backwards guitars and everything. And I'd go and then I'd search that out because I knew my parents would have had the albums. And mm-hmm. I, I love the Beatles because everyone knew the Beatles because the music was everywhere. Yeah. But I didn't love the Beatles until I learned about music and learned what music I loved and then listened to the music that inspired the bands that I loved. And so going back and finding their origin stories and learning about the Beatles. Uh, yeah. Can, can you tell me what you mean by when I, I learned about music? Like, what does that Oh yeah. So uh, I I wish I tried uh, numerous times to play the guitar. I'm just horrible. I'm just really good at listening to music. Not very good at playing music. Um, But yeah, I I I heard I heard. Um, Yeah. So I I guess what I what I mean by that is when I learned to appreciate music was probably would probably be a better way to phrase it. Um, because I, at the time I would listen to whatever my parents would listen to yeah. by default. And I never, and, and, and be, being the oldest, I never had uh, an older sibling or cousin or something to kind of show me the right, show me about music, teach me about music and, and, and introduce me to music. So I kind of learned on my own just by whatever. I didn't really have friends who at the time inspired me to listen to music or anything mm-hmm. like that, or say, this is a band you got to check out. So it was, it was just a very natural progression. And, uh, and so when I when I learned to appreciate music, then I learned who inspired the bands that I loved, and that's how I got deeper into the Beatles. Right, right. Okay, thank you. Yeah, and um, yeah, so that's how I got there. Uh, have you seen the movie Yesterday? Uh, <laughs> I saw it yesterday. Oh, it is so great. <laughs> Seriously. Um, I did. Um <laughs> It was pretty funny. I liked. First of all, I liked his covers. <laughs> yeah, they were pretty good, right? He did it. And then the overall idea. I watched it with my two sons, which is kind of neat because one's thirty and thirty-two, and and I didn't know if I'd be able to hold their attention, but we all watched it. And um, my younger son thought it was a bit corny. The, the what are they trying to do here? It could have gone really interesting into almost a science fiction thing, and instead it went to a, like a puppy love story. But you know, hey, that's what they were trying to do anyway. Yeah. But, uh, why do Why do you ask? Sorry. Oh well, I I recently watched I watched it right before the documentary came out, and I I had wanted to watch it when it came out, but I I think it debuted right during right at the beginning of the pandemic, so it really got kind of lost in in yeah. I guess culture. But yeah. um, the reason I ask is because there was a couple things that really made me laugh when 
um, when the event happens where I can't remember the main character's name, but, um, and everybody forgets about the Beatles yeah. and he's Googling the next morning or whatever. He's trying to figure it out. Yeah. So I thought that was so, he, he types in Beatles and Google says, do you mean Beatles with two E's? Yeah. And, uh, and then he, and he types in, um, uh, I think I think he types in Wonderwall or Oasis, which made me laugh. Like that really yeah, got yeah. me, and I was like, "Oh my! I I I, I just love that." And that kind of showed like that was like, my generation tying in with the you know the general love for Oasis. Uh, sorry, uh, the Beatles. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to ask you because I don't know, and I'm sure it's just a Google search away. But because you are our in-person Beatle expert, when he types in Coca-Cola, why why what was the association between? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't get that. Um, to me, it was like it was a little bit of satire for some reason. But I, I didn't. I didn't get the connection. I, I. I think I remember a story my dad telling me about uh, the Beatles. I think they were asked in an interview what they prefer. Coke or Pepsi, and I think they said Coke. I think that's what it was. I think it was something along that line, but it doesn't make enough sense because Coke I, would have been around. No, but... I, I'm surprised they would have even said either of them, but. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't, I, I just thought it. Was, I thought it was a great movie, and I thought it was also a great way to kind of reintroduce Beatles. Well, what, what about what did you think of the John that they introduced in the movie? The John. Very Lee cool, John. and and I, you know what? It's funny. I didn't see it going there. So when they gave him the address, um, I had that goosebump moment, that wow moment, um, when they opened the door, and of course, a, 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 an actor who I thought did a very good John Lennon. He had, I, a nose, he had a nose like John Lennon. Right. You know, a, a nose only a Beatle fan could love. Yeah. And uh, I, I I, thought it was great. And I loved what he actually said rang so true. And, and I carry that with me all the time is if does, if does a woman you love know you love her? I, I might be paraphrasing yeah. slightly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was super special. And, and, I, and I, carry, I, I remember that so vividly. And it will probably be something I will carry the rest of my life, too. It, it, it was a nice touch. I, I, it, was, it was well done. It's so interesting because when, you, when we were first, you proposed that we do this thing, it gave me a couple of weeks because we had to postpone. So I've been digging a little deeper. And then I got the wonderful book you sent me. And I've been looking at other things. And that movie came up. And my sons are here. And I thought, oh, great. Now's the time to do this. The other thing that's a bit weird is I joined a, a Beatles Facebook group um, just to see, you know, other people's takes. It is the ugliest Facebook group I have ever found. There are so many trolls. There is so much putting down of other people and then just a lot of like somebody will post i love the beatles like they've just heard of them for the first time okay mm. that's cool of course you do but somebody else they're continually well you know if you could only have one beatle album which would it be or if you could pick all your music and make your own soundtrack and it is just continual hive of activity like non-stop it's, it's it bothers me and a few times i was posting like what the hell's going on here these guys are about love, and and all I'm getting here is this uh, some real ugliness, a lot of competitiveness, and so on. I thought, okay, this is something. Some not everybody is getting the message. The Beatles were about love, and and to me, that element you can't appreciate the Beatles without understanding. It's a very simple message, but they were their lives were just warped. Suddenly, I mean, it's like I don't know if you've done acid, but it's like. Just being a Beatle is like having a major acid trip. <laughs> Suddenly, the world is unreal. Everything is different. Everybody loves you. Like, you just, 
it came out of nowhere. These are guys who were, they were nobodies. They weren't rich. They were not destined for this. It just happened. And their lives, they never touched ground again. And and suddenly, by you know, as they're getting on and they have whole studios and to themselves and they can do whatever they want, you know, it, it's just, it, it was so unreal. T- tell me about... Tell me about when the uh, the comment was taken out of context about being bigger than Jesus. Tell me about that time. Well, and how- that was a typical John thing, and he just he really what he was meaning was there's a, a a following. You know, we've got everybody listens to us. We could people the media will just turn to us. That's why John and Yoko did their bed in for peace and so on. That we can say anything and it'll be picked up in the news. It'll be around there. We've got a bigger. Following, but, and I don't know the exact quote. Uh, maybe we, we're we're more popular than Jesus was what it what people choose to hear. Right, and it was really only a certain group of people, and these are their the people who are still Trump, you know, your Trump type supporters, Southern Baptists. Yes, who decided let's launch this lynchery. Uh, burn their records, you know, the same way a lot of people reacted to Elvis Presley in the beginning, you know, this is devil's music. But more, more specifically, like how did it, did it affect you? Like, did you hear that and feel, feel yeah. bothered by it or how, how did it affect you? No, I, I was bothered by the stupidity of the people who thought it was a big deal. Of course they were more popular than Jesus and had this wide spring. It was a, it was an, it was a meaningless comment that you, it's the kind of thing that, you know, uh, news clips love to get hold of, right? Sound make bites into, make into news. It was a sound bite, and uh, there was no big deal. And John was forced to. I mean, he did feel pity. Like it, there really was a it was a real backlash, and he had to sort of cover his tracks and sort of okay, look, that's not what I meant. I'm sorry, but it, I mean, it was assholes who made a big deal out of it, and it shouldn't have. It should have just been a passing comment, nothing more than that. It, it, when, I, when I uh, saw the clip, I th- I thought it was taken out of context immediately. But you know, you'll always get those people with their short attention spans who don't care to know, and they will just take it and run. So it was really unfortunate too, yeah. because I, I think of and I'm going to go back to it because I this I want to get into this conversation when you see all those albums being burned and the physical parts of these uh, the physical. Um idolship of the Beatles being burned because, you know, you mix music and religion and, and politics and religion with it. And it just went sideways for the Beatles at that point. So I, I want, I want to talk about the reason why the stuff matters to me today. And I, I, I have some Beatles albums. I have some uh, reprinted stuff. I have some original stuff. The reason why it's a it's a big deal, I think, for my generation is because we didn't get to touch the Beatles like you did. You know, you got you you got to see them. Okay. Um, you lived you lived through the moments. Okay. You saw all the progression, right? And we we only have like you know like this shirt that I'm wearing, now, this this cup that I have, uh, the vinyl records. We we, ne- we because the the music lovers in later generations didn't get to experience live and in living color the Beatles. Um, I think that's that's what we grasp onto. I think we grasp onto the stuff because it gives us a piece of that history. I have a little yellow submarine that my kids play with. You know, like those little things are, are me trying to introduce the Beatles to my kids. Thank you for that explanation. It really clears it up. I have a much better understanding because of that. And and it also drives home. I grew up with the Beatles in, in real time. 
And that phrase is exactly it. As they changed, we changed. We sort of followed. We were we were lockstep with them as as they moved along. And and as the music changed, we changed our understanding of what we wanted, and the lyrics changed. So I get that now. I get that you're <laughs> looking at it from a different perspective. That it's it's a block of time that's lost in the past. So if you can get something from the past, exactly, it, 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 it feels like ours. You know, no problem. I, I'm so glad to. But you know what? It, it, it's wild too because I'm 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 asking you these questions and I'm expecting a very flat answer. Like, who's your favorite Beatle, John? Well, why? But the thing is, you grew with John, and John influenced the way you thought and and your life uh, in a real time where we can only go yes. back and see it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's, what's, that's one of the reasons I really wanted to do this with you is because like my, my, my parents were just a little young for the Beatles in the, in the sense where they grew up with the Beatles, but they didn't see the rise like you had seen the rise. Yeah. They, didn't, they didn't catch the fever like you had the fever. Um, yeah. So I think that's why just your perspective on it means a lot to like my generation and, and people who well, may be listening to this. I, I'm just so happy to be able to share it. I know when I sent you the clip, I know there was there was probably a little of a tone, like almost a, who are you? <laughs> Get off fan. my lawn, dude. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. there's a sense of ownership that, that we have. And it wasn't to take it away from anybody else, but it was to to lay claim to seeing them change, you know, and but, seeing them evolve, like seeing them go off to India to study meditation with the Maharishi. Wow, what's happening here, boys? But, you know, you're not wrong. It, it is your music but the beatles are the one band and i think better than any other band that are actually timeless the stones i don't i listen i like the stones i don't love the stones i like Mm -hmm. the stones uh a band like another big band i would say not from that era but i'll say a little bit later like uh, maybe an aerosmith a u2 some of these bands that have aged yeah. but didn't have the impact like the Beatles did. The, the yeah. Beatles are a once in a, not even a lifetime, but I'll say of, of all music yes. because they, they really haven't I, influenced. I, I think so. And, and the truth is anybody in my generation, we are delighted that it's carrying on and people are still catching up and just, you know, wow, this is so good. I love this. I mean, that's a wonderful thing. And it, it sort of proves that we were wrong too, to have you know, been swept away by it all. Um, I believe, like, in the future, you know, like Shakespeare, pe- people will be talking about John and Yoko. These things will live on hundreds of years. The Beatles will be, you know, throughout history. And that is an amazing legacy. Wow. Oh, I, I mean, you, you can look at the generations of uh, Lennon's and McCartney's and, and stars actually tie into Oasis. Uh, Ringo's son, Richard. Uh, played in Oasis for a short time. He also mm-hmm. plays for the um, they get the Who as well, mm-hmm. but a um, little tie in there. Um, and the Harrisons, like all these generations of kids, one day my kids will be watching an interview with the great grandkids or the great great grandkids of Paul McCartney and John Lennon, talking about what they know of their parents or the little secrets that was passed down down through generations uh, from the family. Mm-hmm. They will, they will be as notorious. Uh, maybe I'll say a final say. It. I think they'll be as notorious as the Windsors, uh, be just because the, the the amount of lives that they've touched. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who who was your? You were a Paul fan, were you not? I was a Paul. So I, I I'm partially named after Paul McCartney. Like my first name's Paul, um, and I named my daughter Stella 
after Stella McCartney as well, too. Not after Stella McCartney, but just a little tie-in that I was named yeah. after a Beatle. I named my wow. kid after a Beatles kid. Wow. Um, and in and I was also named after Paulo Rossi, a soccer player. So it's a it's a long lineage. But yeah. um, I I really enjoyed Paul. Um, for a little like I oh I actually that reminds me of another question. I'm gonna write this down before I forget. Um, I always liked Paul because not because he was a cute one, but he seemed like he had his stuff together. And I really appreciated that. Also, um, I, I, I hate Jude is just, I mean, it, it, I can hear it a hundred times and a hundred times. It's going to give me goosebumps. It's going to give me like watery eye, but I, I, I love Paul and I love John as well too. But I, like I said, in, in a recap, John stock really dropped in my opinion after watching a uh, get back. And I think if, if get back, also had like a, a sequel where it was five years later and you saw a little bit more of his political stances and his revolutionary thoughts. Uh, I think, I think I would have, it would have come back up, but just at that point and, and, it dropped and, off. If, if you look at the period of his love for his son, Sean, and the time he spent with him out of the music business gives a different John altogether too. And you see that was one I, cause that to me ties in with John being killed that very gentle, kind, loving John who was ready to come back into it as a, as a changed man, as a man who's gentler, kinder, more loving, maybe. Yeah. And um, so th- th- this a tremendous sadness, uh, you know, about that loss, you know, can't not talk about it. Uh, but I heard that on shortwave radio when I was in Nigeria, living in a village, and and suddenly, oh no, I I can't believe this has happened. Something's lost. And during the time of Trump's regime, I, every day I wanted John back. I wanted John on television. I wanted John out in a parade march. I wanted to hear John's political take because he would be cutting. He would still have tremendous political impact right now if he were still alive i think people you're i think would, you're right people would people would listen he would he would not just be oh, some old fart used to be a beetle he would still be current because yoko still is i mean she has mm-hmm. she's still active, i think you're right i think you're right message and and that loss is is it, it it's just so painful and so sad and that's why I will never mention the name of that person. And one of the things that bothered me so much about this Beatles Facebook page was somebody couldn't resist posting the picture of John signing the album. And just in the background, you see the face of the man who only later on oh, shot wow. him. Like, why, why oh. are you putting that up? Why, why are you, you just, come on, can, guys. Can, can you see the hair standing up yeah. on my arm when you mentioned that? Jeez. You know, why, why did you do that? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, it's it's heartbreaking to know that that uh, a legacy like that ended before it needed to. With with any with anybody with influences, death, of course. But in this uh, beloved character like the Beatles, or a Beatle, I should say, um, it, it's terrible and, and and it hurts. And the loss for both his sons, Julian and Sean, and the loss for Yoko, who's you know suffered enough from you know beetle fans who hate her and everything else that that's also a terrible part of the story you know these people lost john we're claiming because we're fans and we want john 
but uh, they lost something even more precious. I think you're right. I um, I wanted to ask you, seeing that we're on the topic of Beatles passing, do you believe in the conspiracy theory that Paul McCartney was replaced? Um, I, I don't even want to answer the question. Like. <laughs> I, I had an argument with my son today over conspiracy theories, and he's very quick to pick them up and pass them on. And I don't know if he's trolling me either. Uh, but the Paul is dead thing, and one more, you know, why? This is this is like it's like the we're greater than Jesus. It's the same thing. It was it was a game. People have a lot of time. Yeah. And there was never anything there. And I've heard people love to do. But to me, like, why are you getting sidetracked with that? Why, why don't you dig a little deeper in, into the lyrics? of There was the song, She's Leaving Home. I used to teach that song to my students. There's a whole story in that one song. It's a beautiful song. And, and how did the parents feel? And I remember I was able to use that, sort of sneaking the Beatles into my curriculum, but with a, with a, a song that was a story. And, and so there's so much more to look at without... You know the conspiracies. You're making me a little nervous. You're fiddling with things. I'm, Is everything under I control? am so sorry. I I don't know what I did, but I I lost. Um, let's see if I can do this. I lost um, whatever mode we had. Um, where I said, okay, this, okay, this is weird too. All right, cool. <laughs> it's this, is gonna, this is going to have, have to be it. Uh, for those listening that don't know what's going on. Well, it's nice to be so close to you. Oh, well, I haven't seen you in years. This is great. <laughs> I want to give you just a hug. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, for those listening, I, I don't know what I'm doing with Skype, and I, I switched the mode. I was trying to figure it out, and then I ended up, we're on a uh, step somewhere in a, in a as, forest right now. As, as long as you're being recorded in I'm not a yes. buried to get a shovel over my head. <laughs> I'm going to take a picture. This is going to end up being the uh, album cover now. So uh, <laughs> there we go. That's part of the album work now. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so, okay. So I was going to ask about the, the book, the walrus was Paul. Do you know it? Are you aware of it? Uh, no. And it's not okay. in my collection. I have a lot of books in my connection and um, I, I don't think I would necessarily want that one. If it's about that. It is about that, and I, I, I was just, I, I actually have the book because yeah. not, not that, not looking at it like it's a, a piece of truth, but more of where does this rabbit hole go? And I've, I think it's, it's quite ridiculous to think that um, they, they found someone to replace Paul McCartney and gave him plastic surgery or did plastic surgery but, to make yeah. it. It doesn't make any sense. And all, the reason Thank why you. I bring it up. Is because uh, I remember my my father when I was a kid trying to explain this conspiracy theory with the Sgt. Pepper album. And he showed that the guy who was now Paul McCartney was a guy from Ontario who won a Paul McCartney lookalike competition. And the OPP patch on the Sgt. Pepper's uniform was uh, inside <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge at it. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. That, I, 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 I won't continue this conversation. You're I not. Again, like I, I just, well, like I just, I don't know why. It, it's, there's so much, like I say, about the Beatles to explore and, and to share and talk about and love and enjoy. Um, why this thing would exist. But hey, that's just me. 
you know i think i think it's one of those things where there's so many things to take away from the beatles why wouldn't there be some weird conspiracy as well you know why why i knew it existed i mean i knew people were talking about it but it's just just you know yeah 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 well, you, you truly are a fan of the music, I, and I can tell because I'm asking you a lot of astute questions, and you just you keep going back to the, it's about the music, it's about the influence of the music, and I respect that. And, and the lyrics, and, and you know, the stories, and, and again, for us, like, they were a lifeline. They, they were a lifeline. Like, we weren't, we didn't go to our parents for advice, but the Beatles would be there, and if the Beatles were doing something, or saying something, or singing something, okay. That's a message for us. I mean, I can remember being on drugs and, and just the Beatles are going to just take me to the level I need to be. And and some of the songs uh, like um, Come Together, well, that's one. But Fixing a Hole, my song was Fixing a Hole. I was going to ask, okay. And I used to smoke hash a lot. I mean, it was, you know, we were trying to meditate, to, to meditate doing the transcendental meditation you had to have two weeks without drugs and we couldn't do the two weeks it was too much to ask you just did somebody else always shows up with a new block of hash and there you go damn now i'm gonna start over next week but you'd listen to that those words fixing a hole where the rain's coming in and stops my mind from wandering and that is stoner like that's yeah I just want to be here and be left alone and let my mind go to all these weird, strange places, you know? So don't let, you know, my parents or, or responsibility or jobs or studying or anything else get into my way. Just let me enjoy this, this space, this experience, this now. So when we're listening to Beatles, we're, we're experiencing that feeling. It's the same when we first got really high and listened to Pink Floyd, like, wow, suddenly astronomy donomy we're, we're out in space our, our minds have left our bodies like wow i always find you hear things differently too when you're under the influence yeah. you you hear uh more interesting th- uh, not more interesting more in tune things to maybe how you're feeling absolutely and and this is a f- another funny thing that i find when i talk to a lot of younger people maybe like yourself and others uh who may or may not indulge smoke weed get high we we couldn't listen to music like the very first albums as i was talking about right up until maybe um rubber soul and revolver that's when we were into getting high but the music was too the the words went perfectly with the timing of our exposure to these drugs you know, I, it, became, it was such a part of the listening experience. Get high and listen to the Beatles. Well, and it's, it's I, I would definitely say after Help, Rubber Soul, Revolver, Sgt. Pepper, Magical Mystery Tour, The White Album, Yellow Submarine, Abbey Road, all those are, you could see the influence of of, of cannabis yeah. there. You can see it. It's because well, acid, it's more complex. And acid, that's right, yeah. And also, like you, you, you name off those first couple albums, the first uh, four albums, you can see the influence of speed in there too, because you know these, these just like go go go, and you yeah, just yeah. you saw that influence in there too. And I, I'm not saying that the Beatles need to thank uh, 
um, all mind altering drugs for their success. But you can definitely see some of those influences in there, too. Well, certainly in their time in Germany, they would have had access to amphetamines. And so yes. On. But to me, it was still never really a, it wasn't really a part of the music. I mean, it's never a nice drug to start with. It wasn't a, you know, let's get and together more, and love each other. More of, of a necessity. Yeah. yeah. OK. Like the nicotine uh, and the alcohol, you know. I I, I, I was going to ask your favorite Beatles song, and I know it's a very a cliche question to ask, too, but I'm glad that you, you volunteered it as well. But when you hear some of the mass singles that the Beatles have had, are there other other smaller tracks other than Digging a Hole that you would that you would go to as your go to tracks? Um, pretty well, like anything on Abbey Road. Really did. I'm not a big fan of the White Album. Like there wasn't a whole lot there that that drew me in, um, Sergeant Pepper's was. But I I keep when I go back when I just want to really have fun I'll go back to the real early stuff, uh, and that still gives me a thrill. Um, some of the you know now I'm gonna I'll have to get the book out to remember the title. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm like, actually if, looking if it up right in, now. Like the simple love songs, if I fell in love with you. And uh, songs from from that time, they were beautifully crafted. They sounded good, but there's just a really happy, special feeling about them too. So I, I the, a lot of the early stuff, uh, not not she loves you necessarily, or you know twist and shout, but the quieter ones. That, uh, what when I'm 64 is one of my all-time favorite Beatles songs. It's just it's a happy song. It just yeah. it kind of tells you a quick story. But I I always think of getting out of bed, drag a comb across my head. Yeah. I just I just love it. You know, I just it just it just kind of gets you going on your day. That and yeah. and and, I, and, I, and that's kind of the Beatles. The Beatles had a song for every occasion, yeah. whether yeah. you knew it or not. It was just you and it would relate to you in different points of your day or of your life. And that's really like yeah, mind bending yeah. when it comes to the Beatles. All these experiences, all before the age of twenty eight, mind blowing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of the ones that were the most popular, like when I'm sixty four, some like I can't hear it anymore because I've just heard it too many times, too many times. I think Abbey Road is probably the only album I could just continue to play and not, you know, not tire of. Um, and Abbey, Abbey Road, there. Not that there's a, I wouldn't say controversy, but they had recorded it pretty quickly. Uh, the time span between Abbey Road and um, Let It Be. Let It Be recorded before Abbey Road, right? Right. Which, yeah, which is kind of weird, right? Like, how does that happen? Well, that, that, that threw us, that was confusing because we, we waited to get Let It Be and we got it. And I won't, it wasn't a disappointment. But after Abbey Road, it sort of it just it, it just didn't quite have have it. And we said we were very curious about that. So the stuff was we saw from the movie was recorded and then held back and then later on put out. So I, I think they reached their their peak in terms of songwriting and just getting all those sounds in there. You know, it, it was it follows Sergeant Pepper's nicely. Yeah, it's trippy. It's trippy. Right. Yeah. And, and that's kind of where the Beatles were at that point, too. And you, you see all, all, all the other all the other I'm sorry, all the different directions that they kind of wanted to go. Mm -hmm. 
Do you did you ever listen to like Paul's first album after the Beatles finished being a Paul fan? Um, I think it might have just been called McCartney. It's a picture it of a bowl of cherries on a counter, and Paul had the nerve to play every instrument on the album. Another reason why I didn't like him. He, he was flexing a little bit at that point. He was kind of saying, like, look, look I, I'm actually the most talented of all the guys. Yeah, that, that's it. But, you know, I like that album. And I liked uh, the stuff he did with um, with Wings. I liked uh, Ram, I think, was the maybe the album. Um, mm, that, he, sound, that sounds right. The, the, we, we, I mean, I still like the guy. I like his music. I mean, he... He was a big part of the Beatles, so uh, well, I I, but I think those those albums that came after the Beatles were all important as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it was is McCarthy followed by Ram, and then McCarthy formed Wings in '71. So yeah, it was right. yeah. Um, just to clarify, in case anyone's wondering, is it, my understanding is that uh, when it came to debut solo albums of the band George Harrison's yeah. is kind of ranked the top the top yeah. one yeah. Um, but I, I guess I because I went through a phase of being a fan of Lennon a big fan of Lennon my favorite release was that rock and roll album he released I have it on vinyl yeah. and and but my understanding what I, I've been told is that when that came out it wasn't it was poorly received a lot of people weren't too interested yeah, in that at the time. yeah they weren't they Mind Games caught a lot of attention. Double Fantasy caught a lot of attention, obviously. It's right at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Rock and Roll album really wasn't, it, you know, if you're a Lennon fan, you're probably going to buy it. I, I was gifted yeah. the album. But it's not one I would listen to all that often either. Well, he has that stellar cover of Stand By Me on there. Yeah. Which is, it's beautiful. And, um yeah, and I mean, it really. If you if, if you appreciate, I mean, I I love a good cover, and I love when you can just you can keep it close to the original, but add your your flavor to it, your yeah. twist to it. And yeah. I feel like John did that in that one. Yeah, um, yeah. You're right. But anyways, you know, like I just um, I love. I I have to say to you, I love how for you it isn't about the stuff; it's about the the way. It made you feel it reflected in your life, but the music is the core. And yeah. I, I do, I really appreciate that, Ken. And I need to tell, I need you to understand that the way that you describe uh, the Beatles to you is very inspiring to go back and dig even further and, and see if I can find more pieces to keep because it's, it's very special. Like I've never been able to have a conversation like this with anybody. And I've talked to a lot of Beatle fans, but nobody who can depict Maybe that's because you're a podcaster and, and you know how to tell a good story, but the... But it, I mean, it really was such a big part of my life, though. I mean, it they, it it just was front and central, uh, you know, center to everything we were doing back then, you know, where you needed your, your comfort. Just drop the needle down on uh, on Abbey Road again or, or one of the others. So, yeah, you use the key word, and the key word's feeling. It really was about feeling. How does this song make you feel? And those early love songs had a special feeling about romance, and you could you're thinking of some girl you want to be dancing with or holding tight. You're feeling that, and and it was feeling all the way through. But it 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 was not just the music; it was the people themselves. We feel we we were like they were our friends, like we felt close. We knew we were never going to pick up the phone and call John, 
but you still felt connected to him. Like we felt really close. He's not this not some distant rock star. He's talking to us and for us and with us. Because he because he understands us. He understands us and and he's helped shaped us. You know we're we're anti Vietnam War because John's anti Vietnam War. That that wasn't the only reason, but it, that was a that was a factor in this thing. So we we felt close to them as individuals, as personalities. And again, that's why I think I felt so special about John and George, because their their particular values touched us. That was yeah. that's who I was and who I became because of their, some degree, their values. George, and of course us looking, as I say, it's burning incense, looking to the East, listening to Indian music, things that we wouldn't have normally done. Certainly our parents wouldn't have showed us or taught us. Uh, didn't happen in high school. It happened after as the Beatles got exposed to this stuff. As George gets out his sitar, wow, this is cool. This is something new. Did the Beatles ever let you down? That's a, that's an interesting question. Because I, I feel like the the breakup would be it, but you know, I, and you you saw it, you saw it in real time. But looking at the documentary, no, it, it felt it, like the breakup was, was going to happen. It it was time. It was it was time for them to go their own way. You could see that in George, and then when George came out with "All Things Must Pass," you're thinking, "Wow, finally, this is this is gold." Um, so. I, I, I don't think so. Like I say, for some reason, this I, I find there's some darkness in the White Album. Um, maybe because of Charles Manson, maybe that's connected in there somehow. He was a force of darkness. Um, but oh, well, some of the songs, like Why Don't We Do It In The Road, eh, I don't know. I guess it's a good, loud rocker. A lot of people love that song. But... I didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't about the love to me, and I don't see as much love in the White Album as I do in in the others. Do you, do you think because of the time, like sixty nine, right? So, yeah. do you think that just just they were just reflecting yeah. of, of of what was yeah. going on in the world? I think at that so. Time? The, the bubble had burst. The summer of love was over. So you know they were having to get this stuff. Out. I mean, there's. The, there, there's change and chaos in their lives. Brian Epstein's gone. Yes, that's right. Gone over to study meditation. They're exploring. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some big hits on that. Back in the USSR, yeah. Dear Prudence, yeah, Glass Onion, exactly. yeah. Obla Di Obla Da. I mean, I and just... I, I love it. all those songs. So it's As awesome. my guitar gently... Well, my guitar gently weaves. I mean, there's some yeah. wild ones on here. I'm So Tired, Blackbird. Yeah. I mean, there's some real I'm big so hits tired, on this. I like, yeah. So yeah. I, I don't know why I have that feeling, but it's just, I guess, if people pick... Helter Skelter, I mean, come on now. Well, that's the one that bothers me. That's the one that bothers you? Well, that's Charles Manson. What do you mean, that's Charles Manson? That's what he, he wrote. He said that's the song that's speaking to him, Charles Manson, but he said he's out to kill the people in Hollywood. Blue oh. Um, you saw the movie, I'm going to forget what it was called, the um, takeoff on Manson, the Manson murders. No, I, I haven't seen it. Okay, okay. Anyway, it's a it's a, a pretty ugly, beautiful story, and and he claimed Charles Manson, Helter Skelter was him, and that might have been. I don't know if that was painted on one of the walls in blood or 
whatever. But so, so, so I remember that's starting to ring a bell. Yeah, yeah I mean, okay. Helter Skelter is one of those one of those songs too, where uh, people have a hard time relate not relating to an understanding it maybe because it, it's a wild song it, it's a roller coaster type of song it brings you in and yeah, out it's, quite it's a, a bit drug. it's a it's a drug song like you're going up you're going down sometimes you can with it with it depending especially if you're injecting drugs you know there's this this feeling like it's just fantastic and then suddenly oh, 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 oh we're spiraling out of control here and it's it's weird Maybe yeah. I have to recorrect myself on that. It's just that I can't get, I can't separate Charles Manson and Darkness from that song. See, this is one of those things too. The album. When, when going back, like uh, again, for for someone like myself, going back and listening to the songs without any of that context is is you know we just listen to it yeah. face value and like uh, this, is, this is, I love the way this sounds. I love I love this yeah. string of lyrics, but um, yeah, I mean it's. I didn't know any of those things and it's kind of, it's kind of mind blowing behind that. But I, I, I also, I try, I tend to, I tend to check out a lot of those things too, when things get a little too dark. Um, okay. So did you, did you answer my question? Did, did the Beatles ever let you down? Um, no. And I, I sort of, I was saying maybe that album, I, I was sort of, very I see, okay. maybe that album let me down a little bit. Like it just, it just didn't resonate with me the way the others did. And it was, a, it was a double album and it didn't tie together. Whereas the other previous ones all seemed to fit. They, they were cohesive. They, they, they held as, you know, that was Sergeant, uh, Sergeant Peppers, you know, the heroes a whole. You know? I guess maybe if you're talking about a letdown, it would have been the movie magical mystery tour. Uh, and I think they needed to learn that lesson because this is, again, they've lost their, their uh, Brian and, they didn't know what they were doing. They had money and Paul was thinking he could do everything and he proved he couldn't. And, and yeah. he was kind of a disappointment. They had professionals do help in a hard day's night. And those are great movies. They stand up today. What, what about Ringo's Ringo's movie after uh, let it be was recorded? Um, the good Christian. Was that, did I get that right? I, yeah. Uh, the magic Christian, I believe. The mag- okay. Um, I don't even remember the movie right now. And John, of course, is in a movie about war. So they had they had parts and things, but they weren't Beatles movies. Right. Whereas Help uh, and um, Hard Day's Night and Magical Mystery Tour were meant to be. Right. And Yellow Submarine, too. All right. Um, have Mr. you seen those, those movies? I, have you seen? I have a Hard Day's Night on DVD somewhere. Okay. I remember getting halfway through it and then just just not being into oh. into it. Wow. And then I yeah, and in I'm I don't I, I can always revisit that one. Um and then I've I've watched the Rock and Roll Circus just to see what that was about. Yeah. And yeah. and uh you know it's it's really tough on on some of those because they they don't work the same nostalgic as just listening to the album does for me because yeah, it really yeah. time stamps everything and then yeah, you start yeah. to look at some of the flaws in it and it really just doesn't feel, and it's black and white. So, well, yeah, that, but that's got all you need is love in it, isn't it? I don't, I don't know With offhand. Mick Jagger singing. Okay. Well, that was... Oh, uh, sorry. The, the, uh, the, uh, rock and roll circus. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I was referring to the, the hardest days, hard days night. Yeah. But yeah, so but yeah, the rock, rock and white, but yeah, I fell asleep there. Right. The rock and roll circus. I walked through. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um, okay. So go ahead. 
Oh, sorry. I, I was just going to start to wrap this up. I, I was yeah. going to ask, um, when it, when it comes to what the Beatles have done for you over a lifetime, can you sum up for me just the, the volume of impact that, that it was on you personally, not, not globally or, or locally, but like in Ken's life, how much did it influence you? How much, did, how much have you taken the, the, the stories and the value out of that throughout your life and it may be applied to parts of life? That's a hard question, but it's, it's, it's still very much, I would say a part of my life. Like when I will put on the music and I'll hear it and I'll feel good and I'll feel connected with it. Um, it shaped, it shaped our youth. I mean, we had different influences. I mean, I, I talked about the beats before the Beatles and Kerouac's on the road. This is the hundredth anniversary of his uh, birthday this year. Um, those things sort of said there's another way to go. You don't have to follow the conventional pattern that your parents laid down or your older brother and sister. You can make your own life. And the Beatles sort of gave us the green light to go ahead, do it. And that, you know, to travel, to experience life, to, oh, it's we got a birthday party here. I thought um, it, was, it was a little more fitting. It's It, 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 it shaped us... I have friendships that I still have today from sitting around a water pipe, listening not just to the Beatles, you know, we could do that in our, at home, but to Pink Floyd and to other groups and, and the connection, the sense of being part of a tribe really stems from the Beatles. If you, you know, they, were, they would have been the singers, the leaders, the band of our tribe. And so there's, there's this tightness, a connection, which you automatically have with other friends who also loved them and bought the albums at the same time and so on. So there was a lot of music that went along with it, but the Beatles were always central to that feeling. So. It's, um, I, I can, I can see how powerful, how, how much they mean to you and how much they've influenced you. And, um, I think it's, I think it's very special, very meaningful. And I, I honestly wish that, more people had the experiences that you had influenced by the Beatles. And I'm sure there was lots, but maybe what I mean is I, I, I wish that more generations had, um, I guess, positive inspirations like you had with the Beatles. Um, yeah, I feel I was very fortunate to have had them at that time, to have been the right age to sort of grow up and grow along with them. And, you know, one thing that I, I find too is no matter how hard it got for them, um, you know, you really didn't see them sweat. You know what I mean? Like they always kind of had a, a, it seemed they always had a pretty good perspective on things. Um, yeah. which I think uh, it would be very hard for anybody at their age to, uh, to do, to understand, to, to be implement. Um, yeah. I want, I want to wrap this up, Ken. Uh, again, I want to thank you for your time and your stories and everything along that. Do you still have if that? You'll, ticket? If you'll allow me, sorry. I was I'd, ask, like to, I'd like to. Yeah, oh, for I'm sure. Sorry. Okay, I'll, I'll ask you one question, then you can get into it. Um, yeah. Do you still have that original ticket stuff from that concert in the early sixties? No, oh, no. I was so curious about that. that. I don't have any of my uh, ticket stubs, but I look it up and I can find the place set, and I knew the date why they were in Montreal. Otherwise, I wouldn't have remembered. 
and so on. Um, I just wanted to end with a, on a positive note. I'm getting back to the lyrics. The lyrics were like poetry to us, and the the lyrics spoke to us. There's there the sounds, but also the lyrics. And one of them that just even today I, I get the shivers from this. And again, it's from Abbey Road, and it's that line. Because the sky is blue, it makes me cry. When they sing that out, and you know when you're on acid or you're high, like you know from that line, they're up, they're high on acid. Like John is, like somebody is up there. Like what a what a line. Because the sky is blue, it makes me cry. You know they're tripping away. They're just oozing. They're melting with the universe. And and, and that. And then the next line. Because the wind is high. It blows my mind, and and I just, oh my god! And when you get words like that speaking to you, that's where they got to. Coming from, I want to hold your hand to this stage. That that just encapsulates the whole story for me. When you I, end on those notes, wow! I wow. did appreciate in the Get Back documentary that the team left in that one scene where John comes in. And he's talking to Paul and he's like, sorry, I got a little too high last night. I didn't end up. Yeah, I, I love that they left that in because that's real. And that is and, you know, we, we, to hear a story like that from a third party is one thing. But to hear it from the lips of John Lennon is pretty special. Like to hear that, that you know, I, I just I, it's a real human thing. And I thought that was really great. Yeah. Um, Scarborough, dude, please let the, let the listeners know where they can find you if they enjoyed this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, you probably won't enjoy my regular podcast, <laughs> but I have a great time doing it. I've been podcasting for 16 years. I am one of the Canadian pioneers of, with a very, very small listenership to the Dicks and Janes podcast. Uh, that's D-I-C-K-S-N-J-A-N-E-S. And uh, I just motor on week by week. I've been doing it from the beginning every week, almost 800 Getting closing in on 900 episodes of about an hour. People lose attention after the first five minutes, and that's okay because I do it for the the joy of doing it. It's very much reflective of the Beatles because it is of the moment. It is in the now. And, uh, that was I, I can say now I've I've listened to your podcast, um, full disclosure, off and on for almost three years now, and I, I told you a, a couple weeks ago that happy Ken was back and I did enjoy happy Ken. And, uh, I, I, I and as someone, <laughs> well, you, I mean, you did, have, you had a knee surgery and you're a little down for, for, for a time. But what, what I'm trying to say is your, yours is a very good, very good personal journal. It is and, a personal journal. and, and, and I, I, um, I very much enjoy it because as someone like myself, I didn't have a relationship with either one of my grandfathers. And not that you you are now my pseudo grandfather, but I do appreciate your point of view because of your age and your experience. Yeah, fair enough. And um, you know, I, I just want to let you know as a listener, I do enjoy and and, and every time I can, I'll shoot you a message saying how much I enjoy it. Well, listen, I got to tell you, I, I felt honored being asked to be on your show and to do this, and I, it's something I enjoyed. It's not often I get to say how much I love the Beatles. And I truly, 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 I could cry saying those words. I love the Beatles. They gave so much to me and, and to so many other people like yourself. And you, you yeah. can see the love. You, you you speak with so much passion about it. it it's wonderful. I don't want to blow too much smoke up you, but I, 
it, it really you can see their influence on you and the way you speak about it is very prolific and i appreciate that thank you thank you thank you all right for a scarborough dude i'm anthony Jefe. this is an after 30 podcast this is a special episode the beatles with ken all right peace